start to struggle and, and kind of get used to things and familiar, right? So I also want to help people and, and love to help people overcome whatever hinders them from drawing close to God. Because the last thing we want is to be a believer and we're really not close to the Lord and may not even know the Lord. So maybe we're not a believer. We go to church, we, we do things, and yet Jesus warns in the end, don't be that person that says, Lord, Lord, and he goes, I'm sorry, I don't know you. I don't know you. Don't you think it's going to be heartbreaking for him? And so it's our, it should be heartbreaking for us, right? And so because of my background and what I've gone through, you know, it, it leads me to what uh, today's message is about. And uh, so, but first, we, before I get into all that, I have a few questions for us all, for you. Have you ever felt alone as a Christian? Come on, raise your hand, be honest. Not like you have to, but be honest. Have you ever felt confused as a Christian? Right? Have you ever felt like you don't have what it takes to overcome sin? I've been there. Or to change a bad habit, right, that you have. Even as a believer, right? Have you ever felt like you were so far away from God? Even though you know Him, right? You've been there. You've had moments of closeness to the Lord. Have you ever thought that you, what you need from God is sort of out of reach, you know? Like, you don't doubt God to do it, but not for me. Or maybe there's something wrong with me that I'm just not getting. I've been there. I've seen other people, you know, get their prayers answered or, or get promoted in life or, or step into the dream and calling that they have. Or, and and well, what about me? Is there something wrong with me? Because it's not God. So what am I going wrong with? And so I battled that stuff, right? We all battle this stuff. So, you know, the big issue, I think, is that we, we, we all have been there, okay? And over time, as a, me growing in the Lord, I've come to believe that there's kind of a common reason why we tend to struggle so often with this, right? Our assurance in Christ, our identity in Him, knowing who we are. And I think the problem is that many of us, you know, we really maybe haven't fully understood what really happened to us when we became a Christian, right? We're trying to take on this new way of thinking. We're trying to take on this new life. And, and, and yet we don't fully understand. Therefore, how are we going to actually make the change? How are we actually going to grow? We don't know sometimes how to grow as a Christian, right? You're saved and then you're like, now what? <laughs> you know, I remember being that way. 12, 13 years old, now what? And also growing in the right perspective and the right motive, right? Because we sometimes fixate on... Well, I gotta fix this area of my life. I gotta clean my life up, right? And yet, we haven't really stopped and said, well, wait a minute, what's the right perspective here? And so, many of us struggle with that. I have a slide that says, many of us, when we come to the faith, we don't grasp the full message of the gospel. The full message. Now, there's no way today I could get that done. <laughs> okay, so don't put that on me. But I'm just saying, there's things that need to be in place understanding, a core understanding that we need to have as believers so that we can understand the full message of the gospel in time. And there's some key things that sometimes are missing. Now, even with great teaching, okay, when you come, truly come from the faith, from nothing, you know, from not knowing, it takes time to understand. It takes time to fully appreciate what God has really done and is doing in your life, right? Because all you see what's in front of you, all you see what's, what the, the problem is or what I lack or what what the circumstances are saying. And so, even with great teaching and, and, and sound teaching, it takes a while, right, to understand and fully grow. And also, we grow up in a worldly culture, right, that's been teaching us since birth, right? We have worldly expectations, right, of success and, 
and what life looks like, the American dream, all that stuff. Not that all that's wrong, but we have worldly expectations of how that's going to come about. And sometimes we even have a family upbringing that strongly opposes the truth. Right? Some of us are blessed when we grow up in a family where we're, you know, the parents are pushing and saying, know the Lord. Here's the truth. But, you know, I didn't grow up that way. My mom didn't know any better. My family didn't know any better. And so there's all those things coming against us. And sometimes we've only heard, sadly, in a church that we need to come to Jesus just to go to heaven. Or for God to forgive our sins and just to avoid hell. And so there's sometimes things missing, not fully there, that we need to come to the faith. So we don't always get the entire picture laid out for us. As a new believer, I'm talking about getting to know Christ. Or say you grew up in church and you finally made that decision. You're not going to remember everything. You're not going to sometimes realize this is the priority of my life now. And so we don't always have the whole picture laid out for us. And so many of us live confused, right, frustrated, we feel defeated sometimes, simply, I believe, because we don't realize what we truly have in Jesus. Now, I've shared with you guys before that I've had, I had a big transformation when I got saved, right? When we got saved, we were unchurched, honestly used to go to the beach on Sundays, didn't even go to church, um, grew up at, kind of Catholic, but not really super committed, and then my mom just, um, you know, just had had enough of religion, and so she didn't. Um, you know, follow the Lord anymore, and so we were going to the beach, doing whatever on Sundays, and sleeping in, and, uh, and so when I got saved, it was a radical transformation. We heard the gospel, we heard the truth, we, and I got saved and spirit-filled the same service. Not having a clue what tongues were, what the Holy Spirit power was, nothing. And so, again, we started with this incredible transformation, which is rare, I know. And so at first, I had incredible change in my life, my brother, my mom. We had incredible results in our life. As young teenagers, not even 13 yet, we're, we're witnessing on the streets with, with adults. You know, we're visiting people that are coming to the church for the first time. And we're the only teenagers in the church of a thousand doing this. Because we were so on fire for the Lord. And so, you know what, and, and they saw the transformation in my mom, and my family, and we're like this great story. But I gotta be honest, a lot of people that thought we were off to a great start didn't know or didn't share with us some of the things we needed to stay going. Right? They're just saying, wow, that's incredible. And so at first we did have an incredible start, and, 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 and people thought, man, wow, what a great family. We're doing so well. But you know what? As I grew up as a teenager over time, I, I kind of got distracted more and more with doing things for the Lord and being in church, being in church services, right? I stopped spending as much time with God. I got distracted more and more by things around me. I began looking for acceptance from my friends. And I began facing stronger temptations at school. You know, then I'd start to wrestle with sin and then I'd repent, you know, and then I'd slowly, you know, go back and then I'd repent and I felt terrible because my heart was 100% initially sold out for Jesus. But slowly my old selfish desires came back. And condemnation said it. So I kind of backslid until I was 18. You know, I'd go to church, sit in the back of the youth group, goofing off, and trying to avoid the altar time, because I feel it. I feel the presence of the Lord, and I, I the Lord would be lovingly whispering, come on, Carrie, come on back to me. I knew what it meant. I knew what it meant to really serve Jesus, though. That's the thing. So I was like, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I was holding on to stuff. And so I was confused. 
right? I felt like a failure in my walk, and I felt like God was disappointed at me all the time. Here's my point today. In other words, I was living in darkness even while I had already been given the truth. Isn't that crazy? I can't say that I, you know, I barely understood. I mean, I had a radical transformation. We got it. We knew it was transformation, death, and life, and now I'm serving. But some of the components that I needed to grow as a Christian weren't given, weren't connected. Even if we were getting great teaching, it wasn't there yet. And so I think that many of us could live this way or have lived this way. And I know people that have even given up their faith after having a powerful closeness of the Lord. Now, some of you may have never gone through that level of struggle, which is awesome, but maybe you felt stuck. Maybe you feel like you're missing something from God or, or feel like you're not accepted by God all the time, right? It kind of goes up and down based on if you've been praying, if you've been reading the Word, and you feel kind of, well, you know, I feel like I'm back soon today. And so we'll say things like that, right? Or we feel like, oh man, I just I wish I could get over this anger, I wish I could get over this or that. And we feel like, you know, God's kind of sitting there going, you're blowing it, man, you're blowing it. And so we, we believe that that's what the Lord's saying or thinking, and that's not how he is. But so today, you know, we want to talk about, I'm not going to just sit there and talk about the negative, I want to talk about the solution. Because I believe that if we can get a hold of the truth, then the truth will transform us. Right? That's what the word is here for us to do. So before we do that, let's, let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for what you've already done inside of every believer in this room. Lord, I pray that as we talk today about what your word says, Lord, that you would awaken us now to how we can live with you day after day after day. Not needing a perfect transformation to change, but Lord, walking close to you so that you can transform us. I pray that your word will illuminate the areas of our life that we struggle in, that we have basically given up on. Lord, and if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that this word would tantalize them, would, would draw them to want to know a great God like you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you. Now, here's the reality of, I think, the solution. The reality is that God's word declares that we have been given everything we need in Christ. Now, it's my purpose today is to convince you of that. So I'm going to throw a lot of scripture at you, and I'm going to let the word speak for itself. I'm not going to try to comment on all the scripture because we're here all day. And you guys know I can talk. <laughs> so I got to watch it. I got to watch it. Okay. I want to leave this at a good time. Okay. So, but, but my heart is to try to convince you because here's the thing we've heard this, but sometimes it doesn't get deep down in our soul. We still say, yeah, but I'm a failure. Yeah, but I struggle with Yeah, but I've done too much. Yeah, but what they did to me, I can't forgive, right? There's things that we have to really truly surrender. We have to internalize truth. So let's listen to what Paul has to say about our faith in Christ. In Colossians 2, remember we did Colossians, and I think we covered this a little bit. In Colossians 2, verse 8, it says, be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world rather than Christ. And here's the big one. For the entire fullness of God's nature lives and dwells bodily in Christ. So all of God was in all, was in all of Jesus, is what he said. And you have been filled by him. Stop there. You have been filled. We have been filled by the love and the power of the full God head inside of Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? Who is the head over every rule and authority? So basically, he's got the final word, guys. 
Now, let's jump down to verse 13. It says, And when you and I were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of our flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. And he erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. Isn't that incredible to hear that again? Remember what he's done. Remember the full God inside of the of Jesus has come inside of us and he's forgiven us of all these things. Listen next to what Jesus, again, I'm building my case here. So listen to what Jesus himself says in John 8. Jesus spoke to them again and he says, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Never walk in darkness. Think about that. Remember I was telling you about the darkness that I was struggling with, that we may struggle with, but yet Jesus declares anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness and will have the light of life. So as light has come into our lives, why do we fail to see it sometimes? So let me try to explain it with this example right here. Sorry, I had to be like really, really, uh, whoo, all right. So I've got this example here today. See, we all have this light inside of us. Jesus declared he's the light of the world, right? And he says the light of the world is inside of us. Because Jesus declaring his light and truth was inside of us now. Let's pretend this lantern is our heart. Now, we all have Jesus with this light in the lantern. But for many of us, it remains covered up with this blanket. Right? This is how I can try to help understand. As great as this lantern is, I don't know if I'm covering it up good. As great as the power of the light of this lantern can be, it, it is not effective when it's covered up, is it? Right. It doesn't matter how bright it is. It's not helpful at all. Go ahead and cut the lights out for me. See, guys, this blanket right here, it represents what's going on in our minds. This blanket that covers up the powerful light of God that can change everything, it, it it's represents what's going on in worldly thinking in our hearts, self-centered goals, right, that we're, we're born and trained to live for, success, and living for our sensual desires. Come on. That's what the world's wrapped up in right now. And our flesh. So this blanket represents the, the battle in our mind to actually be transformed. Jesus also shared that no one takes this light and puts it underneath something like a basket, right? But they uncover it so that it can all so that all can receive the light and share the light. In fact, let's read what Jesus said in Luke 11, verses 33. He says, no one lights a lamp and puts it in the cellar or under a basket, but on a lampstand, so that those who come may see its light. Now get this, this is the next part that's really powerful. Your eye is the lamp of the body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it's bad, guess what? Your body is also full of darkness. This is, this is Jesus now. Take care then that the light in you is not darkness. If therefore your whole body is full of light with no part of it in darkness, it will be entirely illuminated. As when a lamp shines, it's light on So guys, the moment we're saved, there's this battle from the enemy to cover up this light. Right? 
the light of God's truth, of what he declares over us, of what we can be in him, there's the battle in our minds. And see if our eye or our perspective, let's use that word, our perspective is full of darkness, we will not be able to see his light. Jesus warned us not to, to take care that the light in us is not, in fact, darkness. So imagine, think about that. The, the things you put your hope in, right? My talents, my opportunities, the people I love. If I put my hope in that, and it's not in Christ first, then it may be, in fact, darkness. Because when your talent's taken because you break, you know, you break some part of your body that means you can't play in sports, or, or all of a sudden you can't sing because you lose your voice somehow, whatever, something happens in your life, then where's that, what was the life for? There's more to us than just the things we're talented in, right? So if our perspective is just around, you love someone, but you may lose them, right? And so the light has to be, and take care, he says, that your light is not in fact darkness. Check out what Paul says about this in this passage too, in 2 Corinthians. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul is actually defending his evangelistic work, but get what he says about the gospel, okay? He says this, but if our gospel is veiled, right, he's defending himself previously, he says, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this age, right, Satan, the enemy, has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ, who is the image of God. For we are not locating ourselves to Jesus, ourselves but Jesus is Lord, and ourselves as, our, as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Now this is awesome. Verse 7. Now we have this treasure in clay jars, so that this extraordinary power may be from God, not from us. Paul declares that this light, he calls it treasure, and he says it is already inside of us, clay jars, our bodies, our physical bodies, so that this power may be from God, not from us. So I'm leading up to something here. I'm setting you up, because here's the thing, as a Christian, we, we know some of these things. But yet we somehow feel that God's distant from us. We feel like we need something more from God externally. Sometimes you come to church services and groups out there that are so selling the corporate presence of God that you feel, whether they intend to or not, you feel like you don't have it unless you're there. That you're not going to have revival unless you show up. That you're not going to have a breakthrough in your life unless you give. Think about that. That's a misunderstanding of what Jesus has already done inside of every single believer. That we don't have enough in and of ourselves in Christ. That's a lie. It's super important that we get there. Again, we have been given everything inside of us in Christ. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. His divine power. Do you get it? I'm making a case here. So I'm trying to let the word hit you. Okay, his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who calls us by his own glory and goodness. By these, by his divine power, okay, he has given us every great and precious promise, so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. Peter's awesome. I mean, he's sharing some straight up, like, deep stuff, but it's practical, it's true. 
Paul declares this powerful truth over us as well in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 13. And he goes, and he died for us all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. From now on then, get, remember that word perspective. From now on then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, right? Good teacher, you know, nice guy, love the world, love, you know, love everybody. No, no, we don't just know him from a worldly perspective anymore. It says, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what, church? He's a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. We need to awaken to this truth and power within us. Not to look for him on the outside or rely on our own strength. Thinking that just knowing the truth will fix it. We need to internalize this truth. We need to intentionally follow Jesus daily, intent on hearing his voice and internalizing the truth of his word. Again, Jesus said this in John 8, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me, key word, follows me, will never walk in darkness or will have the light of life. So guys, that's why the enemy is battling so hard. Do you think he wants us living in the light constantly? No. He says, okay, I might have lost them for a time in eternity unless I can convince them to believe the darkness more than the light, to avoid the light, to run back to darkness. And so that's the battle in our hearts. Are we going to truly follow after Jesus and everything we've got? Or have we come to a gospel that, that doesn't even require that? And so then, well, wait a minute, whoa, that, you're saying there's way more change that has to happen than I'm comfortable with, guys. Right? We have to, we have to change, uh, challenge ourselves to look at ourselves and say, am I willing to go as far as Jesus wants me to go in my life? If he calls me to the mission field, am I willing to go? If he calls me one day to be martyred as a, as a persecuted believer, am I willing to go? It's not an easy question sometimes to ask. Lord, what, there are some areas in my life that I care a lot about. What, do you want me to lay them down at your cross? We've got to be willing to, to be honest with ourselves and do that. So this is about intentional focus and commitment to follow Jesus in relationship with him. So now, let's get to how do we walk in this life? Because I'm sold it really strong, okay? But how do we do it? Because I, I, again, I, I like to get practical. I'll hear great messages and I'm like, forgive me, the, what what I do? That sounds great, preaches great, but help me to change. And so Jesus, uh, Jesus gives us some great, obviously, uh, some, some powerful things to look at. So Jesus, the first one I want to mention is the power of the Holy Spirit inside. Jesus emphasized how important the Holy Spirit would be in the life of a believer. In John chapter 16, he's talking to the disciples, okay, right? He was preparing them. He, said, he spent a long time talking about the Holy Spirit, right? From John 14 on, he's, he's preparing them. He, he knows this is his last moments with them. And so he's telling them all this amazing stuff about the Holy Spirit. By the way, go check out John 14 through 16 and 17 powerful what Jesus is saying to them. This is for us. Instructions for us. And so in John 16, though, he's telling them, he, I think he gets it, he's overwhelming them, right? He goes, I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. So this, this is what he says. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine all this power, revelation, closeness to the Father, whatever we need, healing, 
and I will declare it to you. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul declares in Romans, this is about the Holy Spirit too, in Romans 8. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. Because we do not know what, we should, what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. So the Spirit of God living inside of you when you don't know what's going on is really important. Because he knows the mind of the Spirit inside of you that, that's connected to his Spirit. And, 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 and he's, he says, I know what's going on and I'll help you. I'll be there for you. Because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Think about it. Are all our prayers the will of God? No. God, let me win the lotto. Uh, that might not be my will for you to live in excess wealth and get full of yourself, right? There's all kinds of prayers we pray. God, would you destroy that? They're evil. <laughs> well, <laughs> that might not be my will. So I want to save it, right? So we admit that there's not everything that we pray for is, is right. So, um, but the spirit of the mind, he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Even when we're saying, God, I give up, I don't know what I'm doing. The Spirit's going to say, nope, the will of the Lord is stay in the fight. Come to truth. Follow me. Don't give up. He's praying to Jesus. Jesus, help them. Help them to get it. Help them to stay in it. So he cares for us, right? And says, for those he foreknew, he also, sorry, we know that all things, get this, it's a beautiful scripture right after that. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. So we don't have to have it all figured out. Just, just seek the Lord and love God. Who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Who's excited that Jesus is our older brother? Right? You're either his younger brother or younger sister. And he's the firstborn. Side note, it also says to us in this passage that we are supposed to be conformed to the image of Jesus. I think that this is his character, right? What's that mean, the image of Jesus? His character and his relationship to the Father. Because it was so powerfully important for Jesus to stay connected to the Father, even though he had so much already inside of him. He says, I don't speak out of my own, but I speak what the Father says, right? He was, example, he was modeling a united life, united with the Father, in, in relationship with him all times, right? When he rebuked the devil, right? He said, it's not, you know, not my will, but uh, well, he says not just any word, but, but the word that comes, every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Ooh, I butchered that. Okay. So I believe, guys, that through this relationship with the Holy Spirit, that's a powerful tool. In fact, I think it's impossible to do without the Holy Spirit inside of us. And yet Jesus declared that that's what would happen when we asked him. Even the disciples heard the truth, right? He's talking to the disciples here. Even the disciples heard the truth. They believed in Jesus. They've been around Jesus. But after he gets taken out, you know, taken away and arrested, right? Were they transformed? Were they walking in the power of the Lord? Were they walking in trusting faith? They scattered quickly. So even them being around Jesus, they weren't transformed until Jesus was resurrected. He breathed on them after he was resurrected. And then they received the fullness of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. So I believe a daily relationship with the Holy Spirit is a key to walking in this life. The next thing I want to share is the power of fellowship. The power of fellowship. See, if we want to walk in this, the Bible, we'll get into it in a second, it talks about 
that if we fellowship with Jesus and we fellowship with the Father, then we're also going to fellowship with one another. And so that's a part of walking in the light. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 5-7, through seven, it says, This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light, and there is absolutely no darkness in him. And then he challenges us. He says, if we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we're lying and we're not practicing the truth. Stop there, practicing the truth. See, we hear truth, and some of us, like I talked about in the beginning, didn't understand truth. But we also have to then, once we hear the truth, we have to practice the truth. That means if God says I'm his beloved, I'm going to start declaring, thank you, Lord, that I'm your beloved. If God says I am more than a conqueror in him, then i got to start saying, Lord, I thank you that I'm more than a conqueror in you. I'm not talking about just the stuff that you're, you, we say practicing the truth and we're thinking about the things where we have to repent about and make big changes. I think a lot of it is seeing ourselves through his eyes. Because many times we still see ourselves defeated, we see ourselves held back, we see ourselves through a worldly mindset, right? The pecking order of the world. Am I tall? Am I handsome? Am I, you know, on top of the ladder? Am I financially rich? Am I this? That's what we see more than anything else sometimes. And you say, no, when you practice the truth that you're my son, you're my daughter for eternity, that you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that you're a priest before the Lord, do we practice that truth of saying that over our lives and receiving what he says? So that's where I think we can have a big difference. If we walk in the light in verse 7, as he himself is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. Kind of a twist, plot twist, right? You think it said that we have fellowship with him. But then he says, no, we have fellowship with one another. That means you care about each other. That means you living, caring, and encouraging one another. And then it says, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, let's skip down to chapter 2, verse 9, in the same book. In John, 1 John chapter 2, it says then, it comes back to this point. It goes, the one who says he is in the light, but hates his brother or sister, is in the darkness. Until now. The one who loves his brother and sister remains in the light. So we came to the light. Now we learn to love one another totally different than what the world does. Totally. Right? Because the world, the Bible, Jesus said the world only says, love those who you love, hate those you know, who are against you. Hate, love your friends and hate your enemies, right? Nope. Now it says we've come to love one another. Right? The one who loves remains in the light. So you might think you're good with Jesus, but if you start having issues and, and, and problems with people and getting, you know, picky about things and getting frustrated that they're doing whatever, Sometimes even judging someone that's just a new believer or so struggling with something, right, that we, we, we don't have a problem with, then you're not walking in the light anymore. You're starting to walk in darkness, and you're going to start to vilify people. You're going to start to think that God's purpose is for their downfall and your benefit. Do you see how you can go right back to the light, I mean, to the darkness after the light was there? We have to stay in the light. We remain in the light. And get this, and there is no cause for stumbling. Do you want to get stumbled because one person hurt your feelings and now you're bitter and you're resisting forgiving them and you're all of a sudden caught up in that silly problem, that drama, instead of staying free of all that stuff? I want to stay free. Even if someone does me wrong, I want to learn to stay free. That's so awesome to be free of any kind of stumbling block to knowing Jesus closer. And then again, in verse 11, but the one who hates his brother and sister is in the darkness. Get this, walks in the darkness and doesn't know where he's going. I don't want to be lost in the where the next thing for Jesus that has for me. Because I'm just so caught up in myself. I'm so caught up in what I don't like about somebody. It says, because the darkness has blinded their eyes. 
So it's basically to put it right back on top. Again, he's saying this to believers. He's not saying this to lost people. Can I just say we have to pay close attention to how we think and treat others? But we do not allow ourselves to hate others, especially believers. Even if we can't stand how they live, we can't stand what their politics are, or we can't stand how they treat us. Guard yourself. If you see something concerning, pray for them. The Bible shows you you can approach them in love if it's someone you have a relationship with. Don't hate them. Don't let yourself get to that point. Okay. And the last point I want to share, uh, or thing that there's, again, there's so much in the gospel that we don't have time to talk about. But I love how it all kind of ties together. And the last time I felt the Lord put in my heart that didn't jump out of me right away is this, the power of solitude. The power of solitude to walk in the light. Because not only what Jesus taught, but how he modeled life is important. How he actually lived. What they record about Jesus, what he said and did, is powerful. We should always follow Jesus' example of constant, undistracted prayer in both good times and bad. Listen to what Jesus did in the midst of great success. In Luke 5, verses 15. But the news about Jesus, him, spread even more. And large crowds would come together to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. So, awesome time Jesus is having. His ministry is blowing up. He's finally being, you know, fully out there. And, and you know, he's not hiding it, his miracles anymore, right? He's fully being used. And get this in verse 16. Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. I believe a lot of ministers that start off, and you see that become major ministries, they're anointed, they're powerful. They started off in a humble place, seeking the Lord and, 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 and crying out to God for, for things to happen. And then they get big in this, you know, big in the arena, right? They're standing on stage and they're doing great things and they start to not do this anymore. They let their, the, 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 you know, the success, they drink in their success over and over. And all of a sudden, they're not withdrawing. Jesus, he did it because he stayed close to the Father. He wasn't letting what people started saying about him. Hey, you're our king. Hey, let's make you king over everything. Nope, I'm going to go withdraw from all these people, even though I love them and I'm ministering to them. And I'm going to withdraw to a deserted place to pray. Right? He prayed 40 days, fasted 40 days. Solitude, spending time with the Father, and it strengthened him instead of weakened him, right? Even in the garden, when he was very troubled because of what he knew was coming, do you think he was despondent and said, I can't believe this is happening to me. I'm not going to go pray. I'm going to go sulk over here in the corner. I'm going to find a way out of here because I don't want to do this. <laughs> Did he do that? No. In Luke 22, he went out and made his way as usual to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he told them, pray that you may not fall into temptation. Pray that you don't fall into temptation. Prayer, by the way, helps you not fall into temptation. Staying tight with Jesus every morning, every day, will keep you from living in temptation, or the, the effects of temptation being strong and actually pulling you and dragging you away. But anyway, back to verse 41. He says, then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, he knelt down and he began to pray. Father, if you're willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. Be done. And then an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. So even when Jesus was facing the biggest trial in his life, he knew what was coming. 
He, pre he predicted it well before. He went and spent time solitude with the Father. Moments before he was arrested and started the whole week of the Passion, right? Jesus had continual, consistent solitude with the Father in prayer. And we must do the same in order to walk in the light. I know there's been seasons where I let myself get busy and I haven't been spending actual solitude with the Lord. Distraction free, my phone off, away from me or something. And I start to, you know, even though I know truth, I start to like have to try to grit my teeth to have a better attitude. Grit my teeth to be a servant. You know what I mean? It's like the, 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 the effect of, of him is wearing off because I'm not close to him. Because I'm not spending that time. And I remember when I first got saved, I would spend hours on my face before the Lord. I mean, it helped that I was 12 years old, you know? Didn't have to summer, you know, and I didn't have to do anything, but it was like life-changing. And when I let myself get busy, and, I, and if I still do that now, I feel the weakness come. And Jesus went and prayed because he was weak. And yet it says an angel appeared to him and strengthened him. Who knows what, what happens when we sit with the Lord? Is it a, the angel, the Holy Spirit? I don't know, but he's strengthening us when we spend time in prayer. So here's what I want to conclude with. I want to encourage you that God has given you everything you need to change. If you struggle with the stuff I was talking about before, always confused, up and down, right? One day, you know, it takes one circumstance and, and we're frustrated. We have to be honest with ourselves and, and start there and say, that's where I'm at. But we don't stay there. Don't stay there. Everything that God has given us on the inside, the power of the Lord, the light of the Lord is inside of us. Truth. And, and listen, I want to instill, I, well, the Lord told me this, He wants to instill confidence in you that he will finish what he started. If you keep your eyes on him, the true light of the world. I'm not sure why on Friday morning I got this call and that's what jumped in my heart, but I know it did. And it's someone here, many of us maybe, that have struggled back and forth and not let the Lord's truth stay with us, even through trial, even through tribulation, even through hardships, even through ups and downs, even through the lies of, of the memories past and even through what someone's done to us and we have to forgive. It's already in us. We're not missing something. We're not lacking something. You don't need something special to happen with someone else involved for God to set you free. You need to know the Lord. You need to go to Him. He wants you to have confidence. Confidence. Say church. Say confidence. confidence. I want confidence in Him. What He finished, He's gonna, what He started, He's going to finish. We simply need to understand, believe, and live out what he promised. There's no special thing coming down the road, some special revelation some preacher has to give that's not already in the Word. Just understand it, believe it. I mean, internalize it. That's what that word to me means. Internalize what he's saying. Okay, that truth is there. He calls me his son. Now I internalize it, and I don't think of myself as a loser, a servant, someone from the outside. I see myself as a son. Regardless of my ups and downs, my failures, my flaws, I'm a son. I'm royal in his eyes. What? That actually makes you go like, what am I doing wasting my time in this stuff? I'm a son. Remember the prodigal son, right? The father was just waiting to restore everything back to him and some. And he's sitting there, what am I doing slopping around with these pigs? My servants had it better than this. <laughs> my dad's servants had it better than this. That's what God's saying. You stop. 
You're not trash anymore. I've made you royalty. I've made you more. Believe it. And so when you trip up, when you get set back on something, you have to own it. I'm not saying you don't pretend that yeah, it's all good and I can do whatever. No, but own it and say, Lord, I thank you that you're my Savior. You're my forgive you've forgiven me. You're my you're my sacrifice on the cross. So I don't have to live that way. I have no debts in you. So then you run back to truth. That's really off my notes. Being transformed, let me say this, is more of an awakening to who you already are on the inside. Let me say that again. Being transformed in Christ is more of an awakening of who you already are on the inside as a new creation in Jesus. Rather than an external work of self-discipline, right? Putting it all together, gritting your teeth to make change happen because you're supposed to now because you're a church-going Christian. Or, like I've said before, waiting for some great encounter in a worship service. Now you guys know I love worship. I'm up here all the time with James and getting to serve. I love worship. But too many people chase the presence of God in the corporate setting as their only chance for freedom. I'm sorry, that's just not biblical. It's powerful when God moves. But don't chase some move of God out there that's saying, you have to come to this to be transformed, to be awakened, to be more. I'm sorry, that's just not biblical tutorials. We're here to encourage one another, spur each other on towards love, right? But that is not the be-all end-all. The Spirit of God is powerful. Full, it's like full power, all the wattage inside of us if we believe, if we let it transform us. There's an awakening that has to happen to who we already are in Jesus. Okay? Moments like that in the corporate setting, they're like extra frosting on the cake, okay? It is awesome. I've been in some amazing moments where I just felt the glory of God in the room. But that should not be what we rely on for true transformation. Because I've been there. I've been in those moves, moves of the Lord. And when they, they dissipate, they die out, then you're like, well, what happens now? What about the revival? And he's like, it's in you. <laughs> Go live it. Doesn't matter if it's Wednesday morning and you feel like crud. <laughs> Wake up in the truth. Get fired up in the Lord. Not conjuring something fake, but getting in the truth again. And then you walk out, wow, thank you, Lord. I am the Son of God. Man, I thank you that even though I'm having this terrible day, I don't have to let that live drive me. That's practical change. Transformation, I believe, is a steady process of buying into the truth. Right? It's here all the time, but we have to buy into it over our self-centered lives, over whatever distractions come, and honestly, mostly in our private times with God and His Word. The truth of God's love and His purpose and His value and His mission has to be internalized. So you came to Christ, right? I came to Christ. The work starts now that we accept the truth of God, His purpose, His values. Now I see people the way He sees them. I love them. I'm going to be even willing to go and do great things, you know, hard things for it in their name, right, for their sake. Some people go across the world and go to poverty-stricken nations and love on these people and go, why? Why would you give it all up? Because they're eternalizing the love and the value of God inside of their heart. His mission has become their mission. So it has to be internalized in us. Or another way I like to say it is fully realized. Right? I have to fully realize this love of God and this purpose in my life. And I'm trying to wrap up. Ephesians chapter 5 says this. For you were once darkness. This is a good challenge. But now you are light in the Lord. 
Did he say you're gonna be, you're gonna be light? No, you are light. Again, it's already here, full power, ready to go inside of us. You were once darkness, but now you are light. Walk as children of light. For the fruit, or I like to say the result, of the light consists of all goodness, right? Standing right before God, righteousness, and truth. Testing what is pleasing to the Lord. Again, doing the work and saying, Jesus, what pleases you in my life? What pleases you? That's the result of the light coming in and saying, okay, God, thank you so much for your love. Man, this area of my life, this, doesn't, this is kind of dark, isn't it? This is kind of this old part of me. Lord, what do I do? What's, what's pleasing in your eyes? Get rid of it. Okay, yes, sir. That's a lot different than, God, I'm so pathetic. I'm such a loser. Man, I still struggle with this. Would you accept? Oh, man. You know, like, you know how we do in our prayer times, right? We become in desperate, feeling embarrassed, feeling humiliated, feeling struggle. Or we just avoid it all because I don't want to think, I don't want God to mess with that part of my life. But no, walk this children light. The fruit of it is righteousness and truth and testing what pleases God. Verse 11, do, don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness. So pretty obvious. But instead, expose them. Now I add in my own interpretation, in yourself. Expose them in yourself. I'm not talking about calling out other people's darkness. Call out the darkness in your own life and expose it and say, in yourself. For it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. But everything exposed by the light is made visible, for what makes everything visible is Jesus, the light. Therefore, it is said, get up, sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So again, it's, it's still saying Jesus is the light. Don't miss that. Christ will shine on us. When we rise up in our minds, we rise up from our slumber and say, Jesus, make us alive. What if you and I could see daily the light of God's love and truth as we pray? When you come into a prayer with truth in it, not just desperation cries that are full of doubt and fear and, and, and basically rehashing whatever the devil wants you to rehash about yourself, that doesn't effectively change your prayer. Don't come and say, God, I'm so pathetic, or God, why did you let this happen? And then you walk out 30 minutes later, and that's what you think was going to change anything. Because the whole thing was full of lies, right? God's like, I'm sorry, but that's not my will. I can't really answer that. But when you come to truth and say, man, God, that was rough today, but Lord, I thank you for what you said in the word about me. Lord, I thank you. Lord, would you help me change this transform, change this situation around, Lord? Would you transform this area of my life that doesn't line up to you? When you walk out like that, you come out like, oh, Jesus. You come out fired up because you're praying the truth. You're speaking the truth over yourself. What if we could see ourselves through the light of God as we pray, as we live our daily life? When the enemy tries to bring lies about to us and, 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 and says that this is what God sees over you, and this is what you are, you're really, you're a loser, you're never going to figure this out, you're, you know, or they're terrible, you're never going to, or what he sees, or what we sometimes see in us. We can stand on the truth and our closeness to the Father, to God, because you can't fake that. If you walk in the light close to him, that closeness is going to give you power to res resist the enemy and say, get out of here, devil. <laughs> I know exactly who God says I am. Right? Let me finish with John chapter 3, 16, because it's really cool what happens in the context here. We know the scripture really well. For God so loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now this is the judgment in verse 19. The light has come into the world this is what Jesus said. And people love darkness rather than the light 
because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it, so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light, so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. Isn't that powerful what Jesus said? Right after he said that he came to this world to save us, he declared, I am the light, I've come. But when you live by the truth, then come to the light. Worship team, can you come on up? Would we come to the light? Now I say to all of you that you come to the light. You know Jesus. Most of us have been walking with Jesus for years, decades, right? And yet, he says, remain in the light. So there's, there's, there's the reminder that we have to push into Jesus and stay focused on his truth and his light in our lives. More than our circumstances, more than our success, more than our failures, more than our kids' success, more than our kids' failures. We can't let anything derail us from believing in him wholeheartedly in him because he can turn things around. Now we're going to spend some time in communion here. And if you um, did not remember to grab a cup, that's okay. Uh, raise your hand and the will support us and buy you with a cup. So if you have a cup for a little let's do that. So even as we come together this morning to do communion, let's look at this moment that Jesus shared with the disciples. Paul's bringing up the account first of all, Corinthians verse 11, chapter 11, verse 23, goes, On the night he was betrayed, the Lord took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. He hadn't done it yet. He's already showing them what's going to happen. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I'm sure they're standing around going, Well, what's he talking about? Because they broke the bread before for Savior, right? For Passover. It's a Jewish tradition. And yet he's saying, This now is my body. Broken. This is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat the bread together.
body, you shed your blood, you made a new covenant with the blood. You were also the Passover lamb with the blood. Then verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, we will claim the Lord's death until he comes. It wasn't long because he came back for you. See, in this symbolic gesture that Jesus made, he's declaring that he shared all of himself with us. Isn't that crazy? If you could use modern language, he says, guys, I'm telling you, I am all in. I haven't just preached to you, I just haven't healed you, and I'm out. I'm going all the way across you. They're like, now saying, this is how all that I am for you. That's love. That's powerful. If we can see that in our own lives, that he said, I'm all in. I'm not, this is why it ties to this message. He's not just saying, I'm all in, maybe, some of the way. As long as you keep up. He loves us 100%. This is really on us. Do we want to receive it in the life? Do we want to cover it up for fear of our but we want to let it shine in our life. Our life be a light that shines. The fact that we get a chance to bring it up, Jesus declared that we're the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Of course, we know that means in Him. So, guys, I'm going to leave you with this today. I want to challenge you to believe in the work that He did on the
Wake up. 
Thank you.